The text from the sermon is taken from the gospel, but he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are now coming again to the Lenten season, which starts on Ash Wednesday. And Lent can seem to be a strange season, perhaps maybe even uh, paradoxical. It may seem, to some of us, as dark as the mornings around us. Some might be thrown off by the increased formality, like the calls to confession or the depressing acts of self-denial. Our services have started to change. We no longer sing the Gloria. Uh, we have a simple frontal on the altar, the purple colors, and even the preparatory collects from Gesmatide have a marked change in their tone. However, Lent should not be viewed as a descent into darkness. It is actually an awakening dawn, the beginning of a wonderful joy. It's the beginning of the Easter joy. And so in the lectionary, we now see Jesus again approaching his intense agony during our annual liturgical cycle. And this time, we again, we have a chance to either join him in that journey or again to let him pass by. The purpose of the liturgical calendar is to bring us closer to God in time and space. And in Lent in particular, we do this as we repent from sin in our lives. We gain perfect remission from those sins and we receive from God a new and contrite heart. It is a journey to rededicate ourselves, a journey of conversion. And as on the cusp of any journey, there is a need to set out the way, to figure out what are the means by which we get to our destination. So during the season of Gesmatide, we have been preparing for our Lenten journey. The church has already set out how to do this through fasting, prayer, confession, and special acts of piety, such as giving to the needy. It is true, though, that all of our Lenten devotions, all of those things, could be dry, could be not healing, if we do not do these things in the right way. And so it's no accident that the Sunday before Lent, Quinquagesima, sets out exactly the way for our Lenten journey. Listen to the collect again. O Lord, who has taught us that all of our doings without charity are nothing worth, send thy Holy Spirit and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the very bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whosoever lives is counted dead before thee. Grant this for thine only Son, Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. The Lenten journey, it could be done just for yourself. Or each of your Lenten devotions could be stoking the fire, the ever-burning fire of divine love that has been given to you at your baptism. Listen to St. Paul in his epistle. You could move mountains and yet, if it was not done with charity, it was not worth anything. Think about that for a second. You could fast from all food for all 40 days of Lent, 46 days. You could memorize the whole Gospel of John this Lent. 
You could give money till it actually hurts you. You could attend Mass every single day. But instead of bringing you closer to your Savior, it could be, at best, of no avail. Or at worst, it could increase your pride if, if you do those things without charity. So Paul goes on in his epistle to tell us exactly what is this charity. He describes it so well. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. It vaunts not itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeks not her own and is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in sin or iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endureth all things. That, that is divine love. And notice that this type of love, this divine love, that we call charity, has little to do with what we feel. It has little to do with emotions, actually. Because this type of love, it's not the love of emotions. Charity is a type of love that has to do with your will. It has to do with what you choose. And as St. Paul describes this so well, our gospel then shows it forth in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the embodiment of divine love. The gospel for this morning is such a wonderful accompaniment because for what Paul describes of charity is then lived out in the gospel by Jesus. So let's take a look at it. The gospel begins with Jesus declaring to his disciples that he is now heading towards Jerusalem. This is probably not too much of a surprise to his own disciples because they headed to Jerusalem with Jesus every year, probably at least three times a year. But Jesus explains here that this turn towards Jerusalem marks a completely new stage in his life. It's a new stage of his ministry. For now he is fulfilling in this journey what the prophets have said about the coming Messiah. Jesus knows that he will suffer as the prophets foretold and he will suffer horribly. He will be mocked spitefully entreated. He will be spitted upon. He will be scourged and put him to death. The fact that Luke records this statement by Jesus is very important. The church father, St. Cyril, put a great emphasis on this point because it shows that Jesus went to his death knowing what was to come. He's doing this of his own will. Cyril writes this, No one compelled Jesus. He suffered of his own free will, knowing fully that his passion would be salutary for the whole world. He suffered death in his flesh, overcoming corruption. He rose again, and by his resurrection from the dead, he poured his own life into the bodies of man, for in him the whole nature of man is turned backwards towards immortality. St. Cyril's point here 
is that because Jesus is doing this of his own free will, it is the truest and most perfect act of charity that we can see. And then, in addition, though Jesus is headed directly towards his passion, directly towards Jerusalem, the path that he takes is filled with charity, isn't it? Even along the way, Jesus stops to heal and to serve those around him. And in our gospel narrative, of course, it was the blind man. And the blind man's healing, which is in stark contrast to the blindness, the spiritual blindness of all those around Jesus, like his disciples, who it says did not understand what he was saying. I like to think of this blind man as our Lenten guide. He is our Lenten guide for us because he is the one who shows us how do we reach out to this divine love? How do we reach out to this charity so that infuses all of our works this Lent? The blind man yells out to Jesus once he hears that he's coming. He yells so loud as to be heard above the crowds that are around him. For us, this is a great example. Gregory the Great understands that the people who try to silence the blind man, the crowd that's around him and say, ah, Jesus is a little bit too busy. Come on, be quiet. He can't deal with you right now. Those are like our own vices that are trying to crowd out our calls to Jesus. Gregory the Great writes, we often wish to be converted to the Lord when we've committed some wrong. When we try to pray earnestly against the wrongs we have committed, images of our own sins come into our hearts. They obscure our inner vision. They disturb our minds, and they overwhelm the sound of our petition. How true is that? And so, like the blind man, we must persist in our prayers in order not to be bound by the chains of sin that are in our lives. And the cries of the blind man are heard. Jesus gives the blind man then what he asks for, his own sight. And this seems strange for a second. Why did Jesus have to ask the blind man, what do you need? This is the creator of all the universe. This is God himself. Jesus was not ignorant of the blind man's needs. But just as Jesus wanted the blind man to ask him, so Jesus still wants us to ask him what he already knows. So as the blind man asked for his physical sight, we must persist and ask for our spiritual light. When we are bound by our sins and the shame of them, we live in spiritual poverty. But when divine love is given to us and our spiritual health returns, then we live in freedom towards the Lord. And notice what the gospel account tells us of the blind man. Immediately he receives his sight and he follows Jesus, glorifying God. Imagine when Jesus healed him, when this man opens his eyes for the first time, the first time that he experiences light, what does he see in front of him? But the face of Jesus Christ, the healer, Lent is a time for us as well to cast off those sins that hinder us 
in order to enjoy the freedom of walking in charity with Jesus in our sight. Don't let your sins hold you back from following Jesus in whom you believe. As bitter as your sins might be, you must face them and repent of them. Gregory the Great again commented on this. He says, we are being led to eternal joys by the way of weeping. As Jesus, the truth, promised us, blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. And the church has already set out the best way for us to do this, which is the sacrament of penance. It is the sacrament of confession. It is in confession that you can bear your soul completely to Jesus in absolute secrecy, to let go of all the sins that are holding you back. Plead to God for his mercy. And it's where you can receive complete freedom of those sins through absolution. Every week we say the general confession during the Mass, and the priest at that point does give a full absolution for your sins. But if you have had a hard time thinking that you have what the prayer book says truly and earnestly repented you of your sins, or if your conscience is not at peace, you keep thinking about those sins after the confession, you need to come to private confession. Our own prayer book puts it this way. And I think this is on page 87 during the exhortation. It says, if there be any of you who by any who, who by this, the general confession, cannot quiet his own conscience therein, but requires further comfort and counsel. Let him come to me or to some other priest of God's word and open his grief, that he may receive such godly counsel and advice as may tend to the quieting of his conscience and the removing of all scruple and doubtfulness. The blind man cried out above the crowds that tried to press him down in order to receive the healing touch of our Lord. We must do the same then by seeking out confession and being freed from the bondage of our sins and able to live in charity this Lent. And he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.